Welcome to Brian's Vinyl Records. I'm Brian. Thank you for joining me today. Today, I want to talk about a couple things. Collecting records versus enjoying records versus just having records. I don't know what, they're kind of all the same thing, right? But there's a difference in what they do. And also, I want to talk a little bit about my thoughts on the latest vinyl trend. It's not really new, but it seems to be starting to take off. And that is things like the one-step process and expensive records. We'll get into that. Let's talk a little bit about collecting records and things like that. So with the vinyl boom and with all the attention paid to vinyl records now in these days that we've, we've seen, prices are going up and stocks are being limited. And well, we've had a lot of problems with the pandemic as well in causing some bottlenecks in the process. And that's made some challenges for those of us who have been buying records now for, for some time. And I'm going to put myself in that group. I've only been really collecting records since 2015. So it's technically been approximately six years. Not a terribly long time compared to many out there. But I was there when it was, you know, dirt cheap to go into a record store and buy a record. I remember when I could walk into a store and buy a bunch of $3.99, $4.99, $5 records. Those costs now anywhere from $10 to $20 for the same records. That's part of the vinyl boom. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's supply and demand, right? A lot more people have been getting into the hobby. I think that's awesome. And we're in a period right now where it's the in thing to do. A lot of people like to you know, call it hipster or whatever. I, that it's just people are finally coming back to physical media music. CDs, vinyl, and even cassettes, you know. A lot of people are expecting a cassette boom, and I've seen it. Uh, I go to record stores now, and cassettes are all over the place. You used to be able to find a small stack of cassettes just sitting there for people to buy, and now you see, you know, 50 to 100 cassettes in one location, sometimes even more than that. So those are coming back. CDs are getting popular again. People are coming back to physical media Streaming was big. It's a big service, and I still think it's a great service to have because it's great for me to be able to pull up an album, a new album, give it a listen before I go out and spend money on a physical copy of it. I think that's a great thing for artists. It helps them get recognized a little more, but I think that people have realized that they like having that tangible product in their hand, that physical product, while they're enjoying their music, you know, and I think it's great. But that, that brings me to the kind of topic at hand, collections, collecting versus buying things to listen to. I always consider myself not to be what you would call a collector. I don't buy things just to have them. I don't buy things to collect them for money in the future, investments or anything like that. That's how I always thought of myself. As I got into vinyl collecting, I found myself buying things that I really had no business buying. I talked about this last time on my podcast when I talked about the changing habits that I have on my vinyl collecting. And I want to get into a little bit more here as well. I found myself buying $2 records online or $5 albums online that I just bought because they were cheap and I thought I might enjoy them. And then I would get them. I would clean them, I would listen to them, and then I would shelve them. 
and probably not come back to them. So I talked about how I'm going through a little bit of a purge right now, and I may get deeper into that purge as we go. I have a lot of artists that I've collected the catalogs of, and sometimes that's great. You know, for my favorite artists, ACDC, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, bands like that that I really, really enjoy, I, sh I should have all of their albums because I will listen to all of their albums. But artists like Kenny Rogers and Willie Nelson and, you know, things like that where I do like them, I really enjoy them, but I'm not clamoring to my collection to pull out every one of their albums to listen to from here in there. I maybe have listened to most of those guys' catalogs one time each. And I have my favorites, and those are the ones that I tend to reach for more often. So I'm trying to get myself in the mindset of less of a collecting aspect and more of a curated aspect for my collection. You know, I like Kenny Rogers. I like The Gambler. I will probably listen to The Gambler 10 times before I pull out another one of his albums. So maybe I don't need the other albums. Maybe I just need The Gambler in my collection. So I'm taking a look at that. It's hard to, as a record, as a music fan, it's hard to look at your collection and say, hey, I don't need this Guns N' Roses album because I never listened to it. It's cool to have, but if I'm not going to listen to it, what's the point of it sitting on my, my shelf? What's the point of that, right? And that's just an example. I mentioned last time that I purged my Dio collection. And not because I don't like Dio. I love Dio. I think Dio's a phenomenal singer. But I didn't grow up listening to Dio's solo stuff. I grew up listening to his Sabbath stuff, a little bit of his Rainbow stuff, and that's really it. So I didn't feel that I needed to have my Dio records in the collection because, honestly, I just never listened to them. And to be truthful, I have a CD of the best of Dio. So if I really wanted to listen to Dio, I could always pull that out. Now I get it, it's not the same as listening to it on vinyl, but they don't have that on vinyl. That's not an option for me. If they did, I'd probably buy it. I found myself getting into that kind of mindset. So collecting records, let's look at that. Do you collect records just to have them, just to shelve them? And that kind of leads into the second thing I wanted to talk about. Companies like Mobile Fidelity Sound Labs, they put out some really great albums and really great sounding albums. And I love my Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab original master recording albums. I think they're absolutely beautiful sounding records. They are some of the best you'll ever hear. Same goes for analog productions, music on vinyl, things like that. If I'm looking for a pressing of a record and those options are available to me, I will probably save the money to buy those because they just sound so good and it depends on the album too but what i've noticed lately is other things happening we have new products coming out limited quantity products coming out things like one step from mobile fidelity sound lab that's a good example right there craft recordings just introduced their own version of one step as well and they're pressing these albums and they're it's a it's a very complex process, so I understand that the prices will be a little higher. If you're going to tell me that a record is worth $125 because of the process that is used, I'm, 
to me, that's kind of crazy. And I get it. There are people out there who are willing to pay that, to have that clarity and that sounding record. But again, having that record, most of the people who get it will listen to it and enjoy it and then put it on the shelf because they don't want to scratch it or they don't want to you know, wear it down. To me, that defeats the purpose of having the album in the first place. To me, to have an album is to want to listen to it. I want to listen to that album. And if I'm going to buy something and put it on the shelf and not listen to it because I'm afraid I'm going to scratch it, there's no point in me having that album. I just, I don't understand that mentality. I have friends who have that mentality. I have friends who collect records never once opening them, putting them on the shelf. They look at them as an investment, but I don't look at records that way. Have I sold some records more than I've paid for them? Absolutely. And it's great. It's cool. I like when I'm able to take a record I've had and make a couple more bucks on it when I sell it off. I've also sold records for much less than I've paid for them as well. Uh, But it's not, to me, an investing issue. It's not an investment issue. I really have them not for that purpose. I have them because I enjoy the music. I love the ability to spin a vinyl record because I think... To me, it sounds best on vinyl. And so that's why I have my records. I don't have them because I want to turn around and make money one day. I have them because I want to listen to them and enjoy them. So these one steps, while they're cool and they sound amazing, I just can't justify paying $125 for one single album. I just can't. No album to me is worth that. I take that back. There are a handful of albums that I could even come up with that I'd be willing to drop that kind of money on. And honestly, nothing that I've seen put out is something that would interest me in paying that kind of money for. I'm not a jazz guy, so that limits some of those. But again, a lot of the records that are getting this process are not uncommon records. You can find really good sounding presses of them for a fraction of the price so is it worth paying the extra money to get that little bit of extra clarity that the majority of people aren't going to even hear the difference of or they might but it doesn't really matter to them that's my thoughts on the whole one step or UHRQ whatever craft uh, recordings is using all those different companies are starting to do this and the other part that that sticks in the in the craw is the fact that they're only putting limited quantities out and the reason is is justified I mean it's a different process it's a complex process and I get it once the stamper has been used a thousand times the quality starts to degrade and so you can only you know, press a thousand copies before that quality goes down. And if you're selling a premium product, you can't afford for the quality to go down. I understand that. So make multiple stampers, right? It's a, it's a, it's a process, but you can make two or three stampers and put out two or 3000 copies of the record. And I think that would meet the demand that's out there. I don't know. To me, it's still crazy. I, I, it's not my, and not for me. Not for me personally. I don't need the ultra discs. I don't need the one steps. I don't need any of that for me. If you're going to do these really special quality presses, let's do them of records that are hard to find. 
a stoolum of records that aren't available in 16 other versions of the album. I mean, that's what I'd love to see. Let's pull out some of those records that are out of print, you know, that I can't just go to the record store and pick up a copy of for 20 bucks. That would be cool. That's what I'd want to spend that kind of money on. Not these records that are already out there in three different formats. In the case of Mobile Fidelity, you know, I can already get a 33 RPM, a 45 RPM, you know, original master recording, or I can upgrade to a one step, you know, I, I, why? I don't, I don't want that. I want to be able to say, hey, holy crap, here's this album that has been out of print for 30, 40 years, and it's going to be released with this amazing sound. That would catch my attention. And that's just my opinion. And I know there's a ton of fans out there who absolutely love these one steps, and they collect them, and people enjoy them, and awesome. All for it for you guys. I think that's great, but in my opinion, it's not worth the cash to spend on albums that already have a different pressing, especially if it's from the same company. I don't know. That's my opinion. What are your opinions on One Step? Maybe you like them, you know? I think they're a cool product, but I don't think they're a $125 cool product. But that's my opinion. You know my thoughts. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that my limitations are in the $40 to $50 range on a particular album. There's a handful, select few albums that I'd be willing to drop more than that on. And I haven't found one yet. So um, that's where that stands. Uh, the most I've ever paid for an album is $60. And that was for a Mobile Fidelity original master recording copy of Elvis Costello's This Year's Model, which has been out of print for a while and typically sells for, you know, between $100 and $150. I got lucky. I found one online. The guy wanted to sell it and he dropped his price to 60 bucks, and I paid for it. That's the most I've ever paid. Before that, it was 50 bucks. I paid $50 for a Firehouse album that was hard to find, and I had to get from uh, a gentleman who got it from overseas. To me, it was worth it because, again, it has been pressed in 30 years and doesn't look like it's going to get pressed anytime soon, so I paid for that album and was more than happy to do it. And there's a handful, like I said, that I've been willing to go above my $50 price limit. But other than that, I'm sticking to my price limit because to me, if I really want it, I can find it on CD and it will sound fine until a reissue or the prices come back down. And it'll, it'll happen eventually. Right now we are in a crazy boom, guys. Crazy boom for vinyl records and pricing especially. I mean... I see things out there. I was talking with uh, one of the gentlemen at Down in the Valley here in Minnesota, one of my favorite places to go shop records. I was talking with one of their employees the other day, and we were talking about some of these, you know, 80s and 90s metal bands and their album prices and stuff like that. He had picked up, he had found a copy of Jakey e. Lee's Badlands, original debut album, and he got it for a killer price. And he was saying that uh, one of my 
good buddies over there, Scott, was looking for a copy of Kicks Blow My Fuse and couldn't find one for a decent price. And I'm like, are you got to be kidding me? Because last year I picked up Blow My Fuse for 15 bucks at a local record store. I mean, 15 bucks. Apparently now it's around 50 bucks minimum to pick up that album. I, that blew my mind. It's just crazy the kind of prices that things have gone for. Just the other day, I got a text from one of the record stores that I tend to buy from frequently down in North Carolina. And he had just picked up, he knows that I'm a Dolly Parton fan. And he had just picked up a copy of Eagle When She Flies, uh, which is, uh, I think that's the name of the album, which is a very difficult to find album. In fact, he had stated that's the first time he'd ever seen it on vinyl. And I agree, I, I've never seen that one on vinyl. And he had found a sealed copy of that thing. And uh, I asked him, you know, how much do you think? And he gave me a price and it was well above what I was willing to pay for the album. But I looked on Discogs and the most recent one sold for right around what he was thinking of putting it out for. And I just, uh, it blows my mind to, to look at some of these albums. I look at some of the things I bought, like I said, for you know, five bucks a couple years ago. And now I can't find a copy of the same album for less than 10, if not 15 or 20. It's, it's wild. It's a crazy time to be a vinyl uh, record buyer, a vinyl record collector. Uh, prices are going up almost at an incredible rate. And uh, so it makes you really, really look at what you've done as far as buying things, I look at my my limits and what I saw certain things for that I that I would like to have that I wanted, but to me it wasn't you know at the time I thought it was overpriced, and now things have doubled. I'll I'll give you another example. I picked up an ACDC album. It's a it's a European press or sorry an Australian pressing of Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, the original album that was put out in 1976, and it was available for sale at my local record store and I had missed out on it. I missed out on a copy of it at one day and then I, they found another copy and it was available. It was going to be put out on record store day. I was super, super excited about it. And so I made sure that when I went to record store day, I got all different last year, right? Record store day, they gave out numbers, all this stuff. I went there, I got this number Actually, it wasn't even a record store day. I take that back. It was one of their 99 cent sales. They have 99 cent sales. Really, really fun. And so you got a number. And then when your number group was called, you would go into the 99 cent sale and be able to pick through. In the meantime, you were able to wait outside to go into the store. So I got my number. I was going to be in the third group that was called. And I had time to kill. So I got, I got my number. I went around to the front of the store and waited for the store to open and lo and behold on the wall there's my acdc dirty deeds done dirt cheap australian cover and i was super excited i went right up to the counter and said i would like to buy that acdc dirty deeds and he goes all right sounds good but i have to ask everyone who's in front of you in the line if they want it first so i'm like okay okay so the clerk asks if anyone in line was wanting that album and no one did so he grabbed it and i quickly purchased it at the time, that cost me $40, which was a good chunk of change to spend. But I had missed out on it two times in the previous, and I knew I just had to 
get it now while I could because I didn't know when I would see it again. So I paid the $40. I was happy to pay the $40. And I now own that album and it's in my collection, which I love because it's, if you know ACDC, it's a, the original version. So it has a, a couple different tracks on it from the American version that came out in 1981. And it's just kind of cool to have that copy. It has a different cover, everything. So I w- wanted it. I have it. I'm happy. Fast forward about maybe three months from when I picked that up. They have another copy in store. I look and they priced it at 70 bucks. And I went, holy crap. I am super glad that I picked that up when I did. Fast forward another two months, they get another copy in. I mean, crazy, because I'd never seen that in a store until I found the first one and then the second one. And now they've had four copies in the same store. But I digress. This time I look at the price. It's $90. $90. In approximately a half a year's time, that album has gone from a $40-$45 album to a $90 album in the used market. Crazy to think about that, guys. Crazy. And I get it. It's a foreign press. Not easy to get in the States, definitely. Easier to get overseas. But wild. Just wild to think about the fact that uh, I was able to pick it up at 40 and now it's selling for 90 So glad I pulled the trigger when I did. An instance where I should have pulled the trigger, I was in the store. This was probably four years ago now. Same store, looking through their new arrivals. And there sits a copy of Black Sabbath's Headless Cross. It's an album that didn't have Ozzy or Dio or you know, Ian Gillen. It was the album, it was, I believe, the second album released with Tony Martin on vocals. Now, I'm a huge fan of, of Black Sabbath's stuff post-Ozzy. I love the Dio stuff. I even enjoy Born Again with Ian Gillen. It, on record, it sounds much better than on disc. And uh, I really enjoyed some of the Tony Martin era. And so I saw this and I thought, wow, that's really cool. I've never seen that. But the price was $40. And I thought, mm, I'm not, I don't want to spend $40 on this album. And I went back and it was still there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't spend $40. And by the third time I went back, I thought, okay, I'm just going to buy it because it's going to be hard to find. And by then it was sold. And I missed it. Well, now that record you can't find for less than $80 anywhere. So I, it's doubled in price in the last three, four years. And it's even harder to find now. And I kick myself for not picking it up because of that. So when I went to the record, same record store, and they had on the wall a copy of Dolly Parton's My Blue Ridge Mountain Boy. They had a copy of that sitting on their wall. One I've never, ever seen. Never seen in a record store. And I looked at it, and they wanted $30 for it. And I thought, hmm, I don't know that I want to pay that. So I left. I went home. And I looked it up. And sure enough, that is the going rate on that album. Pretty decent pricing. So I was de- I was sad. I was depressed that I didn't buy it. Lo and behold, I went back the next week. It was still there. I grabbed it. I looked it over. Made sure it looked good. It looked, it looked to be in really good condition. And I bought it. 
And I'm glad I did because I got up there and one of the clerks said, oh, I was going to pick that up if that didn't sell by the end of the week. I was like, oh, thank God. So again, second guessing is nature for us, especially vinyl collectors, especially when some of the prices that are out there. But take a look at it. If you have Discogs as an app, take a look at what it sells for. Bring up Pop Psych, see what it's been selling for recently. Pay attention to that kind of stuff. Most of these record stores are going to price right in that range of what the average sale price is. So you're not going to get ripped off. I guess really the point that I'm getting at is albums are expensive sometimes, but the trend right now is they're going up. I don't personally see this breaking anytime soon. It will break. It's bound to. Eventually, the price records, especially when you look at new records and I think they're pricing themselves pretty high right now at $40 for a brand new record. Uh, a lot of times, you know, that $20 was a stretch for a record, but people got used to paying that. I don't know that we're going to get used to paying $40 a record. And I think that that's going to hurt the industry in the end if we see that as a major trend. I don't particularly like spending $40 on a brand new record. And honestly, I don't tend to spend $40 on a brand new record. It has to be something I really, really want and can't wait for because eventually prices will go down on those records and I'll be able to find them cheaper in the secondary market or, you know, on places like Amazon, which, you know, I try to buy locally when I can. But at $40 for a record that I don't really need, it's going to be hard to convince me to pay that. So, um, it's going to break eventually, but again, I think we have another year uh, to ride out before we see anything like that happening. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, when do you think the bubble's going to break for vinyl, and do you think it's going to break anytime soon? Maybe it's going to last for five, six years. We don't know. Vinyl's very popular right now, and I love it. Uh, I love being able to go into a store and find vinyl uh, easily. You know, it's nice, but... It's going to eventually break because people can't keep paying this kind of money for music that's available for free on a streaming service. Uh, music that's available for, you know, a lot cheaper on CDs. We'll see. That's going to wrap this episode up. I hope you enjoyed listening to my thoughts on collecting records versus uh, buying them to enjoy, kind of expanding on my changing habits episode that was released a few weeks ago and also looking at some of these newer limited pressings these uh, more expensive records and my thoughts on pricing of vinyl and that kind of stuff i hope i didn't ramble too much i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did thank you so much for listening let your friends know about the podcast you check out my youtube channel look for brian's vinyl records i'm available on instagram and facebook posting everything I listen to throughout the day, whether it be vinyl, CD, cassette, whatever medium I'm listening to on, even streaming. I do tend to post what I'm listening to so that you can see what I'm into, what I'm listening to, what I'm enjoying right now. And my, my genre selections are all over the place. So, you know, sometimes I'll get in a mood for grunge music and it'll be all grunge day. Sometimes I'll be all over the place from Dolly Parton to Metallica to, you know, Soundgarden, just anywhere I choose. It just depends on what the mood is on that day. So check that out, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for Brian's Vinyl Records on both of those platforms. No spaces, Brian's Vinyl Records. 
and you'll find me there. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back with another Tracks very soon with Jay. Looking forward to that. And I hope you enjoyed the Motley Crue Tracks series that we just did. That was a lot of fun for us to revisit some of those albums. So until next time, keep spinning, Vinyl Friends.